If you have too many thoughts whirling through your head and need to settle down, get to know your magnificent mind. We let our brains run the show, but the real juice is in finding your true nature far beyond your intellect. Welcome to A Magnificent Mind with Jan Christensen and Marnix Powells. Join us today on a journey to discover your magnificent and endlessly powerful mind and settle down to your real potential. Now, here are your hosts, Jan and Marnix. Hi, this is A Magnificent Mind, a radio show about slowing down to the speed of life, connecting to your true nature, and deeply enjoying the result. My name is Marnix. My co-host is Jan. And today we have our first guest in episode six. We are going to talk with Andy Shalev. And Andy is one of those people who is actually multiple persons in one. He is a coach. He's a mentor. Uh, he's an author. He's a speaker. He was an, an ex-monk, which to me sounds like the ultimate goal for every monk, to become an ex-monk one day. <laughs> and um, we're talking today, we're talking about uh, radical self-love, which I, I really love that idea, even though I really don't know what it means or how, you, how to get there. Um, and we're going to talk about Andy's new book, his second book, which is called uh, The Wounded Healer. And I love the topic. Now, Andy, to be honest, I was not really prepared to like your book when I bought it. Um, nice. Because... <laughs> Uh, well, we'll 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 go to to a nice place uh, uh, in a few minutes, um, because um, I I tend to dislike books that are about people who fill the books. Like so, you you go somewhere and that people do the work, write it down. It's like uh, twenty, you know. I interviewed twenty people that are very happy in life, and now I have a book. Mm -hmm. So I, I I bought your book and I was like, yeah, whatever. And then I started reading it. And I fucking loved it, man. Mm. It's amazing. It's amazing. And to be honest, and I am very honest, it came at the perfect moment in my life. Mm. Now, The Wounded Healer is um, about you traveling the United States, um, helping people to write a letter to a loved one, a last letter to a loved one. Um, and it is the sequel, in a way, to your first book, uh, which was about that. And it's a very moving story because uh, when you were 18 uh, you suddenly realized uh, the, the the fleeting nature of life and you decided to to write a letter to your mom and 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 you did and and you you sent it to her and a couple of, of of hours after she got it she was killed by a by a drunk driver mm -hmm. and that kind of catapulted you in 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 an amazing amount of pain which also helped you create the life you have right now am i correct yeah yeah i mean it's funny because i spent years not allowing it to come in but now when you describe it back to me i got tears in my eyes because when you describe it i allow the feeling to come in of what everything you just spoke how it touches me and, and it still touches me it's not a story it's it's the reality that i have to you know allow in my system over and over again yeah yeah yeah. Isn't it amazing how, how pain can result in so much love and in so many good things, you know? I think yeah. both Jan and I know what it's like to be a wounded, a wounded healer. Um, and 
having been in a place of pain and 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 agony and and and, and depression and darkness um, has so much power and and it's such a such a gift in a way you know if you if you if you're able to to get away yeah. and, and find your way out um, yeah. but what what your book showed me and I have is um, I have been um, using my uh, my uh, spiritual uh, involvement, my my my, my spiritual uh, development, to feel good, and yeah. I was really very successful at doing that. And while reading your book, I realized that I'm ready to stop doing that. That I'm ready to. Mm. And I was very moved by your book. I cried a couple of times, and mm. I, I, you know, it's I love being emotional. <laughs> Mm. And your book came at the right moment for me. Just to, I know that for six years, seven years, I I was in this bubble of, oh, I'm fine, and I'm, you know, I'm just oneness, and I'm, it's all okay. Mm. Um, and and I realized I don't have to do that anymore because that's a, I think that's a trap, right, in spirituality. Of course, that, but yeah, yeah. I uh, actually I read your post, and I had a lot of laughs, thinking, oh, it'll be a really nice talk with you. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm pretty sick. I'm pretty over the I'm more spiritually developed than you nonsense. Um, and, and especially because in a way, as soon as you start comparing, you're sort of out of connection with whoever you're with. So um, I, I, I had a mentor guru type who was a really wonderful person, but in a way he was competing with everyone else he was discussing with because he always knew something or saw something they didn't see. Oh, yeah. And at some point- It was point, the non-ego. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the the case. The Brown was his name. Dutch guy. Very, you know. I've been here for fifteen years. There's a, a very, you know, um, direct and uh, strong personality type, as I, I'm sure you're aware of. And he, yeah, he yeah. epitomized that, but with non-dual as his as his goal. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so what you yeah. write in your book, uh, I have a lot of quotes out of, of your book, but you write, and I really like that. When you're uh, uh, in a place where, uh, in a spiritual uh, a bookstore or a spiritual place where people gather, and you write, apparently the spiritual community is struggling whose spirituality they will be adopting. Yeah. So this is the sweet irony, right? Where the enlightenment that we were promised to free us can turn into a very subtle, egoic entity. Yeah. The arrogance, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's no, it never ceases to, and I mean, of course, it's religion. It, it, of course, I'm from the U.S., and if you you don't need to look any further than the politics there to see that it's so identified that as soon as anything gets identified to the point where the person can't see themselves anymore, then they're just a reaction to anything that doesn't connect to that idea. Yeah. So I mean, it's and the 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 sad thing is is if you're in it and, and you don't participate in it, both sides will then say you're part of the problem. So so not to engage is also to make you know. To make you learn to, to work with that, right? Because you, you write in the book as well about a, where you are in conversation with people and you're a little bit scared that they will, um, well, they will blame you for not being on their side or being yeah. in a neutral. So you kind of learn how to, to, to go with that as well. So not yeah. to insult people or to give them a reason to feel insulted around that. Yeah, I think if you don't stand strong, and in the comfort of being who you are, knowing that you don't want to diminish anyone else, then you still have something to defend. So I think I've been lucky enough to, in some ways, say, I'm okay with who I am, 
And if you think I'm a jerk, then that's also okay because I probably am. So just yeah. like, where do you see it? And, and so what I've noticed for me is that anywhere I feel defense in myself, I see there's something I'm attaching to that I don't want to be seen as, or do I do want to be seen as or something? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and when that something like that happens, do you work your magic mantra on that? Like, uh, you know, I feel like I'm an asshole, but I fucking love it. Yeah. Yeah. Of course that you saw what happened. I, I don't know if you followed that in the book, but the, the book, uh, a lot of people were, were really touched by it. And a few of them said, well, let's do something with this. And then a friend who I've never met, he just read the book and was really sweet. His name is Bolalong. He said, hey, I want a hashtag. So basically, he just said the hashtag and it's fucking great. So now I, I think it was in, in a day it had over 100 people that joined the group. And there's over 100 comments of everyone stating the thing that's they're suffering or that they've got frustration or anger. And then just ending it with, and it's fucking great. Okay, so By the way, I don't know if we're allowed to use that language on wherever it's going to be published. So maybe I'll... I'll... No, no. We're not allowed to use fuck or fucking or fuck you. Or, no, we can't. It's forbidden. So, uh, uh, so, so, so but um, why is it so powerful, you, this, 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 this little trick? You know, it's so funny that um, what I've seen in myself, I, I mean, I, I mentioned it moments ago. If I resist anything, really anything, you know, even like the hardest things for me to maybe accept in myself, then those, the, re, the defensive reaction of that then defines me in the world. So in a weird way, if I quiet that voice, I'm just present with you again. And even if that isn't like an honest statement, like I'm useless and it's fucking great. I keep saying that not knowing it still if it's really okay to be talking like this, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but if I say I'm useless and it's fucking great, there's a release that gives me that just puts me back in the state of being with you again, because that idea is not something I'm resisting and holding at bay. And of course, that's only one side of it. That's a different practice that I learned from a man named Peter Koenig. He's uh, researched money and he did some great work. And the other side, because th there is a trap in that as well, because if you make peace with everything, you can go up to a mountain and do nothing with your life. So you'd say, I'm useful and I'm, I'm creative and capable whether I, want it, whether I can see it or not. So it's not only that you make peace with one end of the paradox, you make peace with both of them, and then you're just free to be again with whatever you're dealing with. Yeah, well, you know, it's obvious I, that... I you, like the... You, sorry, Jan. I like the perspective that you come at this not feeling like you know everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really like that. Because it's so, it's so all-inclusive that coaches always feel like they have to learn more and do more and understand more so that they can come forward knowing everything. Yes. And who knows everything? Nah. And I think that's the, if there's anything that I, you know, I'm working on the next book now in my head and it's like, wow, you know, even the trap of life needs to have purpose. Like it's such, it's such a, uh, uh, like if I make you believe that life has to have purpose, then you're now dependent on me to help you figure out what that purpose is. So now you've just created another another trap for anyone who's trying to sell you. Like, what if you said life is just perfect? All of a sudden, 
how do I sell you anything? I, I, I can't because you now know, don't need it. I need to create the idea you don't have a thing so I can fill that right. hole that's created. So I, well, yeah, I agree yeah. with you. But even if you say life is perfect and then most people say, well, no, it's not. And then you say, well, I can show you how. Exactly. I can show you, can show you the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that that's something now, that's a, a, another thing. Like in the first first book, I gave a chapter to happiness because I was always getting kind of, at, you know, I, I was raised in the U.S. I left when I was 20 and I go back for work a lot. And when I go back for work, I've always been caught up in this um, positivism. So everything is shifted from w- the framing. Like it's, it's maybe it doesn't feel good. And then there's the but, 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 but. So everyone's trying to soften the negative. And, um, and what I laugh and still do is that actually in trying to manage the negative, you actually are never free of it because you're always managing it in your head. So the only way yeah. I've seen how to really like make peace with it is just to embrace it and allow it to be without having, of course, to defend or manage it. And then all of a sudden, that thought just doesn't pop up as much. Just why do pop thoughts pop, the thoughts pop up? Because we resist them. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you embrace something? I, I always find it very interesting as, a, as an idea. Um, nor, I'm thinking of like the heavy-duty ones. Because in a day, um, I might embrace 20 things and I don't even think about it anymore. I just say, I'm not feeling well and I don't want to do anything for the next day. And it's okay. Like I give myself a lot of that love and that's just come over time. Very accepting of who I am and who others are for that matter. Um, When there's really bad ones, I think the really bad ones come, they come maybe once every year and a half. And, And what I've learned in those, which is kind of funny, is they come usually when people are doing stuff which is nefarious. Because if you're really open with people and then people don't tend to like it when you're too open because then they expose themselves in that interaction. So they shut down and separate. So that's been a little bit. Of, first, I felt pain and my wife would always get angry at me. Like, why are you feeling? And I said, because it hurts and I don't want to live a life where I feel shut down emotionally to survive. And in the meantime, I'm a bit more like, wow, if these people are pushing me away because I'm asking and trying to under, really understand, there's usually something they're trying to hide. Okay. So, yeah, that's been the learning. So, and, and, what are, and what are the big ones? You- big ones are like, I mean, uh, there was one like uh, about, say, two years ago, and um, there was a mutual friend. He was in a business deal with another friend, and I was trying to support. And I could see people projecting on one another. So I do what I would normally do, which was not allow anyone to be blind to what they were projecting and then allow that to become this negative reinforcing loop. Um, and I then supported this one individual who I didn't necessarily have an affinity for. There was always a feeling of suspicion. And basically then um, he was in Argentina and I said, he, he was avoiding phone calls, which I didn't know. And I said, oh, I'll fly to Argentina to support the dynamic, even though you're not picking up the phone. I'm assuming we're all good because you've always said we're always good. So why would I th- think otherwise? And so then I, you know, as soon as uh, he got the emails that I was going to fly, then it was, if you come, you're not liked by anybody, you're hated, you you know, no one wants to tell David, my mutual friend about you. So it was just this explosion of vitriol and, uh, and it felt horrible. 
and I, and then I went in and I felt sad for two days. And then after the two days, my mind went off. And then it was like, I got out of bed, I think at three in the morning and I was, oh, wow, something's really bad here. Like, like, it was like that. Oh, no. So I called up my friend. And I said, you got to get out of there. And you got to get out. And it was just the intuition, which is so deep. And you know it, but you don't know why you know it until afterwards. So he actually got on the first airplane out uh, before the other individual got back. And he ended up it was he was it was the other individual was embezzling just Uh millions of dollars. Oh, and and it was like, all the things you only figure out afterwards. But so, um, so it hurt and I didn't leave the pain. And I think I would say uh, the reclamation for me in that instance was be, I'm not always going to be liked and it's okay. Me being open and being however I act in the world is not always going to be met with, mm-hmm. with the same sort of energy or intention with which it's, it's being given. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah of course. Because, um, you know, when you, when you, when you, when you think about vulnerability, and some people say, oh, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll be vulnerable. But then there are so, all these conditions tied to that. Like, well, everybody has to like it. Well, no, that's the thing with vulnerability. You know, people do with it whatever they want to in the first place. Yeah. Um, um, but so to people who listen and, and, and who say, so what do you mean? And it's okay. Like everything is okay. Oh yeah! Hey, how if everything is okay, then we're we'll not change anything anymore. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Or I went to the the friend of mine down the road who who cuts my clothes, who's a spiritual a person from uh, from Turkey, and he says you're you're promoting narcissism, and I was like narcissism. What are you talking about? You know, but then but because he wasn't really trying to f- figure out what I was actually doing. That's the, again the belief system. But uh, so it's never okay. On the level which you're speaking to yourself, it isn't okay. That, and, and the fact that you tell yourself a lie so that you can feel a deeper truth behind it, that's the point. Yeah. My mom was killed by a drunk driver and it's okay. Yeah. And, then, and then what's weird is my mom was killed by a drunk driver and it's fucking great. And, and maybe I would say those two statements 10 years ago, five years ago, one year ago, but I can say it now and say it's fucking great. And I can feel where there's a beauty in saying that, that I couldn't have felt then. Yeah. So it's a weird, you're, I would say you're tricking your neural pathway to basically make peace with something that you're not really making peace with, only to discover yeah. that you can make peace with it in a weird contorted way that we, one wouldn't expect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like you shock yourself by the the weirdness of it. Yeah, and and yeah, I think I did it a couple of times. Well, while I was reading the book, and it felt really freeing. Yeah. Um, and well, of course, you know, when you say about you know my my mom got got killed by a drunken driver, and it's fucking great. I almost feel embarrassed when you say it, but yeah. I, yeah, because well, so, you know, in society, we most people wouldn't say it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, uh, and, and imagine it's fucking, it's yeah, it's fucking great. Just because you're that settled with it, like I'm trying to wrap my head around this right now. Oh, yeah. Now, funny. Um, it's not fucking great because I'm telling myself a story. I'm speaking to my subconscious and letting that find like almost like a whole nother realm of comfort. 
So, so imagine if you say, why is it great? Now you're forced, which you didn't say, by the way, but just let's follow me on this. Now I have to defend in my brain to explain to you why it's great. So now in that moment, I'm now defending, I'm screwed because who can defend and who needs to defend? The whole point is, does that thought consume me? Does that thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, and that's the idea. So you're speaking to your subconscious you're giving your subconscious total freedom to make peace with it. And the thing is, is it's only in doing it that you get to have the experience of what it feels like. So to explain it to somebody is one thing, but to say, hey, what are you struggling with? And then let them reclaim a bit of that. Say, hey, I'm unable to get out of bed today and it's fucking great. Like they'll say it three or four times and then there's a smile that comes over their face and you think to yourself, how can I make, how can that be great? And that's the weird conundrum one has is it's how like can you're you- disarming this whole idea. Yes, you're disarming yeah. the whole idea because yeah. the shame, the unspoken guilt and frustration and anger, all that stuff is always there. So allowing it to live because we're managing it is where we get stuck or where I've seen myself get stuck. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and, and there's so much things you can feel around it. Like, why why should I allow this to be feel fucking great? Because it is not, you know, yeah. it's, it's a bad thing. And, yeah. you know, what if I allow it? What if I get more of this? And there's so much riding on this whole idea. Yeah. Um, but there is a limit even within your uh, openness to this, right? You write in the book about the, the woman who was raped and tortured. Oh, yeah. But, but so this is the beauty of me, of like the book is like, I'm like, oh, f- fuck, this doesn't work. <laughs> like, like the beauty is, is like to try to like not create another belief system in the world that one now has to like think, oh, now I have to lose agency over my brain because somebody thinks they found an answer. No, the truth is, is every tool is limited and that tool is also limited because what I, what I saw was that actually I, I, this woman, she was, she was abducted and raped and they tried to murder her and she's on the side of the road. And I say, write a letter. And if, and then it, right. And I just give her a, a kind of a sort of a hint. Cause she says, I don't know who to write to. And I said, well, and this is before I knew any of that story. I said, well, just write a letter to the person you resist most. And then the, Tears are welling in her face and she starts to write this person. And, and what I saw immediately was, wow, at some point, what we're trying to do is make peace with the emotion. And for different emotions, making peace with them is a very different experience. So for me, when my mom was killed, to say my mom was killed by a drunk driver and it's okay. That's far more in tune with where I was probably up till maybe five years ago. And now I kind of feel like, you know, it's great. Like there's a, there's a certain space in myself at this moment, may change, of course, that just says, I can really see where that's great. There, there's and, a softness around it. And it's a, it's a great distinction when you say, I make peace with the emotion mm-hmm. and not say, I think that everybody should kill people on the street. It's not that you condone it, right? No. I mean, that's no. the weird thing. You, you know, and this is this thing that people kind of get uh, confused about. They think that by making peace with it, you do nothing about it, where the absolutely the opposite is true. By making peace with it, you're free to do whatever you want around it because it's no longer a reaction to something in your life. Yeah. So the, the yeah. clear head, the clear headed person, um, you know, I always laugh. I always love the, the Carl Jung quote, until you make the unconscious conscious, it'll, you know, define your life and you'll call it fate. So in some weird way, like by allowing your unconscious just to be free, you're back present with what's really going on at this moment. And you're not defending. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and maybe for, for some people, uh, it's, it's a cool idea to just start with something simple. Yeah. And, and yeah. something small and something that is not so important for them. But I thought it was a really very powerful exercise. And I, I, I thought I, I might try it in my coaching too. I didn't come into a situation where it, where it felt really like the, the, the cool thing to do. But for me, it was a really weird release when I, when I did it. Because it's mostly it's about thoughts you try to avoid. Yeah. And by doing that, you give mm-hmm. them an enormous power mm-hmm. or yeah. by resisting mm-hmm. them. And when you allow them and you even celebrate them, it's like they, they're all of a sudden they inflate. Just, it's counterintuitive because everyone thinks that actually by doing it, the, the result would be either you're, uh, you're now not going to do anything about it or whatever you know, that story is that we just mentioned earlier. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I have all these things written down uh, uh, about your book. I, I, like I said, I really, I really loved it a lot. Um, so I think what I also like is you said authenticity is not a word I use. It's the way I live. Yeah. I like that. It's, a, it's an amazing Instagram quote. And I'm, I might just one day I might steal it. But it's, 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 it's cool. And I, and I truly believe that it's, that it's really how you live your life right now, right? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I'll do, I do a daily show called The Wonderful Chaos, and, and, uh, and it's really a wonderful chaos. Whatever happens, happens. There's a lot of tears on the show. There's coaching in the middle of a show. Uh, you know, sometimes it'll switch, and the person that's the guest is now going to be facilitating whatever us is going on between me and the, whatever the colleague I'm working with. And, like, on Friday, um, the, the person I usually work with, he had a job. So I said, Hey, my wife is here. I said, why don't you come on? And she's a little, she's, we're very different. She's in the finance industry. She still has a little bit of a persona that she has to represent to the public eye. So we're now on the show together. And then the guest doesn't show up, which hasn't happened, but we're live and it's going live. And so now we have a a show and it's just like, Oh, nice. So now we can just say, you know, goodbye. Cause the guest is like, no, babe, we're, we're doing this. It's a, it's a show on our relationship. (laughs) Okay. Wow. So what happened? It was just a beautiful, it was just, you know, I'm, um, I, because I work in, in more of a coaching area, I'll think, what are the things that we're doing, which I see different than what I see other couples doing? And, and yeah. she just does it. She doesn't think much of it. In fact, the beauty is she's never read either of the books. She doesn't like, you know, she's not really excited about anything oh, I good. do. So we're, okay. we're so different. It's sort of humorous in, the, in a way. Um, so um, yeah. uh, we're, we're going for the break right now. And a virtual break because we're just talking and yeah. uh, we, we'll go on. And then after the break, uh, let's talk about radical self-love because I think it's a very interesting topic. How mm. about, is this okay? Great. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is A Magnificent Mind. To reach Jan Christensen, Marnix Powells, or their guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to insearchofapeacefulmind at gmail.com. Now, back to A Magnificent Mind. And so we're back. Uh, I'm going to uh, put uh, my little timer on because we're very professional here. Um, Just before the break, I uh, promised the listeners and I promised myself and I promised Jan that we are going to talk a little bit about radical self-love. And there's in your book, you you talk about so many cool things. Um, You talk about holding space for people, all these Mm. amazing topics. I I like very much. Um, But uh, in, in in the press uh, email we got when when we before we st- uh, um, uh, uh, wanted to uh, invite you to the to mm-hmm. this show of us, it was about the book, but it was also about radical self love. And now yeah. that's a cool concept. And I'd like to hear from you how you see that. What 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 does it mean? And how do you love yourself radically? Yeah, you know I think so we've been talking about it the first half of the interview is that at some point there's always something nagging in the back of your head that you're not able to make peace with. And for each person, it's sort of their footprint and it's always a little bit different. There's shame around sex. If you're a Catholic in America, because that's just how we were raised, at least in my case. And so, um, and, 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 and those things where they're back there in the, say, the recesses of our mind, but we haven't allowed them just to sort of be celebrated and laughed at and, and loved, that's where I've noticed in my own, you know, my own identity, it starts to come out in reaction to those things. So the, the radical self-love part for me is about taking whatever it is that we haven't made peace with and just loving the hell out of it. And that's done for me through that exercise we discussed earlier. So um, um, I, uh, I, I've, never, I've never been secure to, uh, to uh, approach a female who I found attractive because I was too nervous my whole life and it's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that would be an authentic statement for me just in this moment of, and if you look, there's the group on Facebook, which just began because of this whole thing where every day I'm in tears when I look at it. So it's the group called hashtag and it's fucking great. And all the people are doing, they're posting the most intimate things that they haven't made peace with in themselves with that hashtag ending it. And, and then there's this weird way that allowing yourself to make peace with every thought in your head is just like you're back here in this present moment. And then you get pulled away. And then you, then you can reclaim that like, oh, I can't make peace with just being at peace with this moment. And it's fucking great. Yeah. Okay. Or I feel like I have to say something intelligent because I'm on this show and God forbid they think I'm an idiot and it's fucking great. Like there's just a, you know, there's just over and over it's just you can't you never end the feeling of making peace with all that rattling of noise in your head 
So, so in that respect, it's a bit like the work by, by Byron Katie. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit like every religion, every, like if you look at anything that ever made sense, there's always a thread in it that makes sense. And that thread, unfortunately, becomes a belief and then people attach to it and then they defend it as if that's the one belief. But Byron Katie's work is the similar or the same, maybe in many cases better, of taking your brain, taking a belief, allowing you to trick your brain to see, well, actually it's not true. And then how do you resolve the fact that that is also something you can see the opposite of, right? So her four questions. So, radical self-love in in this way kind of means that you appreciate yourself enough to, to, to get rid of all the crap that's going on inside of you. Yeah. And the result of that is, is, is self. It's not like you're constantly love yourself. Like, oh, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm really loving myself right now. Yeah. What no. you take, right? Yeah. It's funny you say that because I always think like the idea of people being happy is an illusion. It's the illusion because once it's outside of you, then you have to chase after it to be happy. So I've often thought that happiness emerges when there's nothing else to make you unhappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to someplace you go, it's someplace that emerges. So, you know, for me, it's like, what are the conditions that need to exist so happiness emerges? And the, yeah. and the, the conditions I know of is making peace with everything that's unresolved in my brain. And it changes yeah. day to day, you know, of course. Yeah. So yeah, to me, it's, it seems that like happiness is the absence of thinking or the absence of the identification with thinking, but it doesn't sound really sexy. No, it would almost be like, it would be like what comes up when there's nothing else distracting you from it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear one of your coaching sessions. When I, oh. when I think about these, I think about, okay, this thought and then that thought. It sounds like a bing, bing, bing <laughs> that would be going on. Yeah. It's sometimes I'm, I don't even want to watch my coaching sessions back because I'll be so counterintuitive sometimes. Like I speak very instinctively and sometimes I'll hear myself speak and think, okay, I know I'm doing this for like oh, the right reasons, but in a weird way, I might tease somebody. You know, oh, you are your fucking mother. Come on, get over it. Just accept. Finally, you are your mother and it's great. You know, and so it's almost so disarming that people, they can't even feel defensive because defense only comes up when you feel accused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's nothing yeah. behind it. There's, there's no poison. There's no, you don't nothing. feel better than anybody else. Well, people yeah. really feel your, your honesty and your truth in that. And you can get, you go really far in what you say. Yeah, I noticed that. I, I think in time... Uh, you know, my mentors were always guru types. So it was hard for me because I had a hard time, like most people do, who are more sensitive, seeing that as a skill or a talent. Because what you'll do is you'll say, oh, they seem so more self-assured than I do. Oh, they seem to understand things and, and articulate them in ways I can't articulate them. And then you'll diminish yourself in order to mm-hmm. sort of like uh, uh, kind of always feel like there's something you're missing. And I think one of the hardest like steps one makes in their own progression is to say, oh, this is enough. This is enough. And, and I'm screwing up every time I'm doing anything and I'm okay with that. It's, it's okay. And then in a weird way, you screw up less as you make peace with screwing up because you, you, you're not 
trying to get it right, actually. You don't care. In fact, and when I work with a couple, I'm always laughing, saying, guys, first of all, you have to realize, I don't give a shit if you get divorced. Like, first things first. Like, I really (laughs) don't care. If the conditions aren't there for you to be together in a healthy relationship, why would you want to be together? Like, what, what is there to salvage? And, and, and it's sort of a weird kind of thing because they're like, aren't you here to help us figure it out? Like, no, I'm not. I'm here to figure, help you figure out, do you want to dedicate to make it work together? That's my only role. And then, you know, and sometimes I'll be only have maybe a 20 minute session. I'll say, guys, better to go to a psychiatrist because, you know, whatever I can offer you isn't going to be of any value. I'm just going to prolong the inevitable. Yeah. So how, how have you seen changes when it comes to coaching and changes in have you seen within yourself that you that you take yourself less seriously than you did maybe a year ago or two years ago? Oh, I mean, I think, I, you know, I, I came to the Netherlands and I spent, you know, live, Lisa, you said in the earlier, I was a monk. I lived like a monk. Like okay. the, the man I worked with, the Dutch man, he basically, I would say, he knocked the hell out of me all the time. If I used non-dual language, if I, um, if I tried to attach to an idea of myself where I was understanding something I wasn't, he would just knock, he'd just knock me to the point where, you know, you, you lose layer after layer of identity trying to be something. You even for many years in my own case, I judged myself for years being with him because I, I, I compared myself to him and then, of course, saw where I was not able to do what he was doing. And in that way, never really seeing what I was capable of doing. But you had an amazing commitment to, to what? what, what you, you know, the, the commitment was, and I think this is beautiful because I left business. I was a director of a computer company in Austria. And basically, I went from that to then becoming second in command to this individual and his charisma and his desire and his talent to help people experience this, what one would call more of a non-dual experience was so incredible that I basically decided to be in service to a vision greater than my own. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And I think that it was about self-realization or uh, stuff like that. All self-realization. Yeah. Yeah. All self-realization. Did you ever, did you ever, uh, experience something like that? I mean, no, no, I didn't experience it. He was so hardcore, you know, you got to realize I lived in Vienna. I sold everything I owned. I lived in an attic space in Amsterdam, no electricity or water or anything. So I went from being this sort of high level executive to being this pauper. And I was so happy. I mean, just, it was like a life do over. I'm like, when do you get a life do over? You get a just refigure out who you want to be and how you want to be in them. And it took me 10 years to reestablish how I wanted to be and who I wanted to be in the world. It was really a, you know, it's hard to unprogram a lot of that, that wiring that, that, you know, existed for so long. Yeah. Almost impossible. Almost impossible to reprogram that. I would like to say it is impossible because if you make it possible, again, you, you make everyone else think they're inadequate. So I would like to say there's always less of it the more you allow yourself to sort of become more conscious of your unconscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can that, become yeah. more comfortable with it. Yeah. And that's, and that's for most people, that's a total win. Isn't it? Yeah. We always will mm-hmm. still be full of shit. Yes. But if you know that, it's not a big deal. No. It's, it, there's a joy in celebrating the individual that's incapable. and inco- I mean, you saw in the book, the first session I did was a shit show. It was so oh, bad. Yeah. It was yeah. so, and it was really funny because I thought, you know, I really 
enjoyed those chapters where it didn't go well far more than maybe where it might have looked like I knew what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, one of those uh, chapters was when you were in the morning show uh, sitting with these two very serious guys. I watched the, I watched the interviews. And then later on, you had this epiphany around, oh, you, you would write this viral article and the whole world would be celebrating your, your insight and nothing happened. Or nothing happened. On the same day. Yeah, I mean, oh, I love it. And that, and I mean, I think the best video is when I went to the bookstore after going on the big morning show, and no one showed up at the bookstore, right? And then I took yeah. a video of myself and obviously published it. And I think that video did better than any other thing I did the whole trip. Yeah. So I mean, I think in some ways, there's, I, I think that the, the people get they get they see Facebook or Instagram or whatever the social media is, and they get caught up in an idea that my life isn't like theirs. And then they feel in want. And I think I'm always celebrating, like, like my best friends are the ones that were in LA and Hollywood that were actors and never made it. Like those are the people I have the most respect for. Cause it was like, you've been going at this for 30 some odd years. You haven't done a damn thing and you keep doing it. Like there's just this awe of that determination. There's just a, a, a respect for going for it without having the outcome needing to be there. And that's just something I really admired my whole life. Yeah. It's like yeah. your professional fuck up in a way. Yeah. And yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it's, but you know, the thing is um, uh, uh, social media and stuff like that. Oh no. Um, openness, uh, 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 authenticity, directness. Uh, yeah. You say, like you say, authenticity is not a word I use. It's the way, yeah. it's the way I live. Isn't it, isn't it fucked up that most people are very scared of being open and showing who they are, but really love it when other people do it? You know, I, yeah. in, in, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I agree. It, it's unbelievable, the feeling of that. When you see someone else being vulnerable, it is. People are attracted to that. They think, oh, isn't that great? But yeah. personally, they don't do it. Yeah, of, of course. I, I think in the meantime, I've had a lot of compassion for the people that aren't because in some ways I've said, wow, how much suffering has to be there for them not to be able to meet you in that, in that vulnerability. Um, mm -hmm. And in the book, you know, I wrote quite a bit about these experiences because I did 60 of these sessions in three months, which is already absurd. I mean, that, many, that, that much allowing myself vulnerable over that duration, it, was, it wasn't healthy on any level. But the the, um, the thing that I saw was that in that space, you'd notice a lot of people, once it started to drop down into a bit more intense experience, the jokes would start coming out or the healers would start to try to solve issues for people. Like it was, so there was an interesting uh, dynamic where I didn't try to manage it. I really let it unfold. Sometimes I'd say, guys, uh, slow down. Let's just not heal. Let, let them share their story without trying to fix them and sort of thing. But yeah. I didn't have to do that that often. But it, it, was, uh, it was very curious. This is what you mean by holding space. So you yeah. allow the, 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 the moment to be there no matter what. People don't have to help each other. They don't have to support each other. They don't have to come up with solutions. Yeah. It's just if, if everybody feels uncomfortable, that's simply what happens. So yeah. how, how did you, how did, because every session you did, every one of the 60 sessions you did, you started with your own story, with your yeah. own, how did you keep it fresh? You know, you're going to laugh. Uh, actually, it was 
I would almost say, you know, if I talk about it now, I'll cry again. Um, I didn't allow myself to separate from the story. Mm-hmm. And I'd spent 30 mm-hmm. years telling the story separate from it because it was safe and comfortable. And, and I think in the first session, um, it was weird. I wrote, of course, about it was that I said, you know, my mom was killed by a drunk driver. And I heard myself say it. And first of all, like even using the word killed was like, that's harsh. You know, I didn't even hear that word in my head anymore because I'd said it so many times and I made it, I separated it because in separating it, I made it almost what I felt easier for people to interact with me. Because if I show them okay with the topic, then I don't need to create any emotional problems in the environment I'm in. So I, you know, unwittingly or in my story was, oh, if I separate from my emotion, I make it easier for the people around me. That was my subconscious. So I basically heard the words as they came out of my mouth each time. And I just let the emotion, I cried. I would say out of the 60, I cried at least I'd want to say 58 because maybe there was two times when I felt there's a little bit of just a discount, just the, the, the environment didn't create enough space for me to feel safe to drop into what was, you know, what was in mm-hmm. real for me. But yeah, it was, it was intense. And, and would you say that you're, because I think this is for me was very powerful. I, I, I talked about my childhood, which was, was not particularly bad, but mm. my, my parents were alcoholics and, and mm. depressed and, and, and I felt very unsafe but I, I realized that like you, I've become accustomed to talking about it in a detached way, mm. which is just more comfortable. And I thought I w- did that because I was over it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the greatest. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm not. I, well, when I, mean, I think about it right now, I feel sad. I, f- I feel yeah. sadness. And yeah. it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's fucking great, by the way. Yeah, it's fucking great. Yeah, and, and I think the... The idea, even the word using over it is the confusion as if there's an over anything. It just, again, is as it is and it changes and it morphs. And one day I might feel nothing and the next day I feel something. But if I don't welcome each emotion as it comes in, then it gets stuck and then I become, you know, less present, just less here. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't even want to make here as the point because that'll get us another confusion because it's like, oh, is that the goal? No, it's not the goal. The, the, the thing is, is it's like a binary relationship. The more at peace I am with what's going on inside of me at any given moment, the more I'm just with whoever or whatever I'm doing. It's like a simple equation. It's not very, um, you know, we don't need to write a whole book about this one. It's just pretty obvious. <laughs> well, yeah. The, the it's thing very is, the, healing. Yeah. yeah. It's very healing. Yeah. To have the thought, and it's kind of like fuck it and let it go, and isn't it great? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very it's a soft landing. Yeah, it's a soft landing. Yeah. Yeah, and and somehow in the spiritual space, we've made it so much about making it heavy and making it often connected to the to the uh, to the person doing it. So if I'm the guru, I've got a technique and I can help you, and yes. you know, and and then you have to overcome this huge hurdle. And there's this big, and and there's one thing I'm kind of allergic to now is a healer at the end that talks about all the people that he, that they made cry, right? As if the goal is to break people, like oh god. Yeah, yeah. Give me a break, right? Well, mm-hmm. if you want to mm-hmm. get a lot of people to cry, if you set, set fire into a football stadium, and you probably <laughs> will. Yeah. But if that's the goal of life. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but we can make 
anything into a goal, even not making things yes. into a goal. Into a goal can become a goal. Yeah, that's the, I mean, everything is a structure. Yeah. The fact that there is no structure, it's its own structure. So in some weird way, it's, you know, any belief, once you attach to damn anything in your head, that then defines you. So if you, if you, I don't mind attaching, but I like to be as conscious as I can of what I'm attaching. Yeah. So, so what, what was the most, interesting or most powerful thing you you took away from from your journey in in the united states with talking to all these people the name the name of the book the wounded healer the that the the feeling came to me that just being there is like even when i say it now i can cry like i almost want to cry because just being there is enough yeah and You're I, and really I a good crier. It's, I it's amazing. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Like, I really don't know if people yeah. can accept that message because if just being there is enough, then, then what is my, does your life still have purpose? If just being there is enough and just holding someone and just mm. giving them love. Like there was one, um, like one of the stories that came in that I did, that didn't make the book was when I was in college, a friend of mine's brother committed suicide. And he, um, and I wasn't there and, and I missed the funeral because I was away at university, but I came back a few days later and I went to his house directly and they said he's at the, at the basketball court. So I went to this basketball court and like weirdly I jumped the fence and he's playing in the middle of this game and I ran up to him and I just hugged him. <laughs> And I didn't know at the time, it wasn't, it was just, this is the only thing there is to give. And my mom had already been killed. So I already knew, don't try to console anybody. Like that already was clear to me. I'd had enough people say, it's going to be okay. And then I, I just left. So it wasn't like I needed anything from him. It wasn't like, it was just, this is, and, and he, before I took my trip, he wrote me a letter 30 years later telling me, how that single event meant everything to him in his life ever since. And, and I, in some ways, it was something I knew then, but I didn't understand to what degree it's just so, so simple that you, we don't need to make it any more complicated than that. That's beautiful. So, so how do you know how to live? You don't. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all, want, we all want the manual, but if, when I ask people, so you want the manual, I can, what if I can tell you how your life will unfold from now on, yeah. every single day? Nobody ever says, yeah, tell me. Yeah. And in the same time, you're really, really scared of the future. Like, you know, and we say, oh, Corona changed everything. Yeah. There's so much uncertainty all of a sudden. And I, is there? Yeah, well, What's there? it was always there. You just, you, it was always there. You just didn't want to acknowledge it. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. quite so condemned, looking so specific at the yeah, whole exactly. world looking at Corona. Yeah. 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 So would you, is, is there a secret to life? I mean, the secret to life, as far as I'm concerned, is pretty damn simple. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of it. <laughs> and like, as soon as you say, wow, everyone is fucking confused. And the more they talk, the more they're trying to work it out still. Yeah. So the guy that's quiet in the corner is just sitting there most likely saying, yep, there's no use in speaking because apparently these people still need to keep talking. He knows the secret of life. Yeah. yeah. And you talk about this in the book and you said, we try to, 
We try to take command over our thoughts. We define and create logical structures, models, principles, equations, mm. and diagrams to make sense of our thoughts and emotions. But just because we've made a mental model doesn't mean we are more able or capable of living or feeling that raw emotional experience. Mm. It just means we have the perception that we understand the thought of experience better. It gives our mind some rest because living with all the confusion is exhausting. And then you say, or is it? Instead of trying to understand everything, see how it feels if you just allow your brain to observe the activity without trying to do anything with it. Mm. And most people are seem to be totally unable to do that. Like, ah, yeah. no confusion, oh, yes. go away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine if we're like, oh my God, are you as confused as I am? Yeah. Isn't that, a, it, wow. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> and what is your brain doing right now? Oh, it's trying to figure out why this is unacceptable. Okay. So what if yeah. that was, you didn't need to, you didn't need to react to that thought. Oh, so now I'm back again. Oh no, that can't be right because then how do I get a job? Oh, okay. Then, yeah. no, you know, yeah. So it's just an incessant pulsating of thoughts that are just taking us away from being. Yeah. And yeah, how do you make peace with all that? That's uh, everyone's journey for themselves. Did you find peace with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it goes away. It's a state, you know, like, it's not mm-hmm. like, hey, it goes. yeah, it comes and goes. I, I noticed that there's a, a lot more longer periods of it than there used to be. So it's the longer periods and then there'll be one thing that pulls me out. Um, and then like, oh, you know, like, because these books don't bring you any money, right? They're just, you I do know. them. I, re- I wrote eight books. <laughs> yeah. I know about it. You, know? <laughs> you, you write out of like some need. You don't write out of uh, uh, like, let's make the business. And then I'm thinking, wow, right. well, basically I've got this and I've got that now. Hey, I should really think about how I would make any money with this. I haven't thought about that. I'm too busy, like following <laughs> the love of the thing, you know? So now I've got to then make peace of that thought. Like, oh, this needs to make no money and it's fucking great. This, this yeah, well, is, you, you only wanted no. the money because you wanted to feel good anyway. And now you're feeling good before you have the money. So you're, well, your case closed. You're already there. You know, yeah. it's actually going to, you're going to laugh. It has less to do with me and more to do with my wife who says, when are you going to start like working and stop just doing hobbying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I, I have to be the party pooper in this case. Uh, we have uh, 15 seconds less, uh, left for, the, for this uh, uh, second half. Andy, I loved having you here. And I, I really appreciate you coming here. And, and thanks a lot. And people buy this book, The Wounded Healer, or buy the first one as well. We'll put some information in the show notes. Right. Like, uh, it's a professional thing to say. Mm. I always hear people in podcasts say that. So I say that, <laughs> trying to look at, uh, professional. I loved you, uh, having you here. I loved listening to you. I loved talking to you. Jan, got, got anything to add to that? Oh, I have just loved this. Really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. It was, it was wonderful to be with you too. Thank you. Greg Ellis now, because we'll have him. Yeah. Suicide. Oh, that's a heavy is topic a, to go to from suicide? here. Well, it, this is Suicide Prevention Month in the States. And okay. I believe that's the topic. But I'm pretty sure he'll go the direction of men and not being able to have the children, the wives yeah. getting, like, I, I think it'll be all of that. But yeah, and he's suicides. a very interesting guy. He's an amazingly creative guy. So we'll, it will be a cool conversation. That'll be fun, yeah. Okay, let's have a break and see you later. See you later.
拜拜。Bye. Thank you for listening to a magnificent mind. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you then.